0: No one else could do. Come on. Let's testify of the goodness of God. Let's
1: testify.
0: Take your hands to the Lord.
2: Well, beloved, without further ado, let us get started into our text. If you will, would you please stand for the reading of the word, amen, and we're going to be going to Luke 9 and 61, Luke chapter 9, verses 61 on today, or verse 61 on today, and it reads, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you but. Stop the reading right there. You may be seated. Lord, I will follow you, but. We're going to stop the reading of the text at that moment. That's the title of our message on today. Lord, I will follow you, but. But is one of those words that by its nature signifies a point of interruption, a changing of direction, a stoppage. I was on my way to the store, but the phone rang. I had planned on going to church this morning, but I remembered that the Lakers were playing, and it was the last round of the playoffs, amen. Anytime I'm in a conversation with anyone and they're telling me something good or giving me a compliment about myself, and then all of a sudden they say, but, I know that I'm probably going to hear something that I don't want to (laughs) hear. For example, we love the work that you've been doing. It's been absolutely fabulous, but... Or we've been married for 20 years. We have some beautiful children. We've built a beautiful life together and I will always love you, but. In fact, whatever someone said before slips into nothingness as soon as the word but shows up in the sentence. It soon comes to the point that Whatever a compliment or good thing that was being said feels like only a diversion, a disarming tactic that sets you up for the unpleasant nature of what that person's true thought was or whatever came after the word but. It's a tragic situation. The promise of so many things So much potential that could have been reached in life, but something went wrong, but something was done, but something happened that destroyed that bright future. The young man that got A's all his young life, that went on to college and graduated top of his class in business school. He showed so much promise on his path to become CEO, but he couldn't keep his hands off of his secretary or the other female employees. The talented high school athletes on their way to football stardom, supported by their whole town, but they got drunk at a party and took advantage of a 16-year-old girl. Now they're on their way to jail. The young, talented singer at the start of her career who seemed to make the heavens opened up whenever she sang. But she overdosed and died just as she was about to release her first album. But. Such a small and in many cases tragic word. Lord, I will follow you. But. Now, at this point in our text, the ministry of Jesus is in full swing. He has already given his mission statement in Luke 4, verse 18, where it reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He has been teaching and preaching in all of the synagogues in and around the regions of Galilee and Capernaum and Judea. Everywhere he went, Luke says, that reports about him spread throughout the entire region. Everyone had either heard of or was talking about this man, Jesus. Well, one day when he was traveling from one village to the next, again, of course, there was a huge crowd around him and someone says to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell. Who were at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is good, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now these men, along with almost everyone else in the crowd, heard that Jesus of Nazareth was was in the area and probably just wanted to hear something that would give them a boost and get their mind off of things. No doubt that they, along with the entire region, had heard how Jesus had healed the sick and raised the dead, of how he spoke to the storm and it obeyed him, about how he commanded devils and spirits. You know how people talk. I heard he healed some guy of leprosy over in some place. I heard how he raised so-and-so from the dead. You think he really did it? Well my cousin told me that he fed like 5,000 dudes with five fish with two with five fish and two loaves of bread <clears throat> with two fish and five loaves of bread. Amen. It was it was good either ways. Man said it was the best fish he ever had. Amen. I wonder if he'll maybe we'll get to see him do maybe they just wanted to see something happen. They, like us sometimes, may have just wanted to get away from what was going on in their lives for a second. Maybe they just wanted to hear an inspirational word that would pep them up and send them on their way. Maybe even get a free meal. Amen. He might be doing the fish and loaves thing again that day. But before they knew it, they were getting more than they bargained for. Before they knew it, Jesus the Christ, who they heard all of these things about, raised people from the dead, commanded the storm, was walking through the crowd and stopped in front of them and looked them in the eye, looked them in the heart, and said, follow me. The word, the word that was with God and in the beginning was God, their destiny their future, their reason for being called out to them in the form of a man named Jesus and said, follow me. I mean, it must have been a a terrifying and overwhelming experience. Follow me. I mean, they could have been men whose names that we remember and celebrate to this day. God could have done something in their lives that we'd still be talking about. They could have been great men, but some of us here, and I know I might not be talking to anyone here right now. Hey, man, uh, all these folks I'm talking about were at the 8 o'clock service. Hey Amen. but some of these folks here just may come to church just to get our minds off of what's going on at the job or at the house for a moment. We may be hurt or depressed or we may just need a little pick-me-up for a second. Sometimes we come to church just to see what's going to happen that day or see who's going to be singing or who's going to be in service that day and what they're going to be wearing and, you know, see who's talking about who and to find out the latest about what's going on with the pastor and his family, amen, just, just church as usual. Church to some of us has become a form of entertainment. We approach it with the same attitude that we would have if we were going to a movie or a ball game. We love the Lord. We come to church and we worship, but we don't really assume that something could actually happen that day, that our lives could actually be transformed, that we could actually be challenged in some kind of way. And all of a sudden, Christ Jesus looks at us right in our hearts and says, follow me. And we say, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but I start this new job tomorrow. I would follow you, Lord, but I need to make some money to pay these bills. I would follow you, but... I need to spend on my time some time working on my career. I would follow you, but I need a husband. I would follow you, but what will the people at my job say? I would come to Sunday school Wednesday and Wednesday Sunday and Wednesday night service, but I would be a tither, but I would give to the building fund, but I would help you eliminate this mortgage. But I would be a volunteer or a mentor, but I would join the evangelism team, but I would go out with the skid row teams and help people who are hurting, but amen. It's all right to give the Lord praise. I might not be talking about you. Amen. Let me move back to talking about these guys here in the text because it's it's starting to feel a little tight in here. I mean, tight. Amen. (laughs) A couple folks in here looking at me crazy might be like, who does he think he is trying to tell me how I should be? Well, honey, boo-boo, that's my job. All right? I'm here to comfort the disturbed, and I'm here to disturb the comfortable. Amen. That's what you come here for. Amen. But back to the brothers in the text, amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you off a little bit, amen. It's, they say it's not good to talk about people when they're not around, but these guys have been gone for a long time, amen, so we're going to talk about them, amen. But one of the men that Jesus told to follow him wanted to go home and bury his father. If we can try, we can see him suffering the pain of his loss. Afraid of the future and the unknown and feeling the stress of taking care of his family that he was now the head of since his father passed away. You see, the Jews were very particular about this sort of thing. There were many things that needed to be done. There were many preparations that needed to be made. And this other second young man with people at his house, probably his family or extended family of cousins and maybe uncles or aunts that may have been staying with him because they had nowhere else to go. We don't know. The word doesn't tell us. All this man wanted to do was go say goodbye to his family. He never said he did not want to serve the Lord. I mean, we kind of look down our noses at these guys, but they were dealing with some real life's issues. The word doesn't tell us about how Jesus dealt with the loss of his own earthly father, Joseph. When it came to matters of the family and ministry, however, he was heard to say that his brothers and his sisters were those who hear the word of the Lord and do it. Lord, I will follow you. But, but like we said before, it's not that simple, is it? I mean, if you really look at these men's excuses, you'll see that these by themselves are not bad things. But most of the time, our reasons for not really doing what God may call us to do seem like good, valid reasons, don't they? Isn't it a good son that would pay proper respect to his dearly departed father, isn't it? I mean, if I pass away, and when I pass away, y'all better take some time to say goodbye to me, amen. Y'all better not just kick me off to the side, amen. Whatever, I'm on all day, amen. (laughs) We're going to have a week of celebration, amen. We're going to shut the city down, Amen. but isn't it a good father or a host that wouldn't want to abandon his guests or family without at least saying goodbye? I mean, when we hear this text, I think we have a tendency to picture these men in a somewhat bad light, but they might not have been bad per se. I mean, no worse than any of us here. How many of us here today would forsake all that we are and all that we have to follow Christ. I mean, not just worship him here in service during praise and worship when the music is good, but actually follow him. But This begs the question, does God wish that we would abandon our families and those that we bear some kind of responsibility to? Does he ask? No. Does he command that we abandon those that we promised that we would never leave? Those who we said we would always be there for? I mean, think about it. On one hand, we are told to honor our father and our mother. Yet in this account, leaving them to follow Christ is not only encouraged, it is commanded. We are told that he that finds a wife finds a good thing, that we should love our wives as Christ loved the church. Even in Psalms 127 and 3, it says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. Yet it seems that we are told here to abandon them and follow Christ. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God, he says. We have to ask, what does the word mean when it says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword right there in Matthew 10 and 24 for I have come to set man against his father a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law amen I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all are familiar with that last one right there amen I'm not gonna get in anybody's business amen praise the Lord well I am here to get into y'all business amen praise the Lord (laughs) <laughs> but a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me now that that it 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 seems to come against each other these two groups of scriptures honor your mother and father so that your days may be long he who loves his mother and his father more than me is not worthy of me how do we how do we deal with that have you ever thought about that well we're going to think about it today amen praise the lord But almost everyone that is saved here has someone in their family that does not agree with their decision to become a Christian. Y'all fight it out every holiday. But let the dead bury their own dead. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. I mean, as those who say that we follow Christ, What does that mean? Well, since the world had not heard of the cunning of the Lord, those who followed Christ in that day had to be moving out into the world, preaching and assisting in the spreading of the gospel. Following Christ at that time meant following Christ literally, taking the gospel, the good news, to where it had never been before the world had not heard. The really interesting thing about this is that Jesus most of the time doesn't really call us in this time to go anywhere per se. But he calls on us to follow him in our hearts. He calls for us to follow him in our minds. He calls for us to follow him in our spirits. I mean, it may not mean literally abandoning your family, but it may mean abandoning the way that they taught you to think and to live if it doesn't line up with the word of God or how you're to live as a child of God. Amen. Give the Lord praise. It's all right. It's a safe place to give the Lord praise. Some of us have said to ourselves that we would never act towards our children the same way our mother or our father acted towards us that we would never be like our mom or our dad but we never said goodbye or abandon the way that they were and we end up being exactly the way that our parents were towards us that same kind of anger the same kind of abuse the same kind of mean the same kind of cutting destroying diminishing Words that were used on us, we use on them. Perpetuating a generational curse that is going to go on and on and on. Listen, you don't have to say goodbye, but you have to say goodbye. You know what I mean? Amen. I mean, he may call you to a faraway mission field. But you can follow Christ wholeheartedly while never leaving the house you grew up in. You can follow Christ without ever leaving your neighborhood. You can follow Christ on the job. You can follow Christ in your relationships. You can follow Christ in your finances. You can follow Christ while driving in traffic. And I know that last one is a hard thing here in L.A., amen. I saw a sister once giving the Lord praise to somebody, once giving the Lord praise here in service, and they were so caught up in the spirit, and I saw them just leaning on their horn in the parking lot, yelling at somebody as they were trying to tell them to get out the way, like they left their like they they salvation right here in praise and worship. Amen. Look at your neighbor and ask, is he talking about you? Amen. If they didn't say nothing, I'm talking about you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. No, I'm really talking about me. I'm just playing. <laughs> But you can follow Christ away from the rampant materialism and apathy and selfishness and narcissism that seems to want to characterize and define our culture and who we are nowadays. For example, Martin Luther King Jr., when dealing with the hatred of racism, understood that the way that most of America felt toward the African American was because they were taught to believe that way. He knew that for them to abandon the way that they believed about African-Americans would be to them like abandoning their parents and their families and their way of life. You hear today how they talk about our way of life, our heritage, our history. He had to let them know that they could still be there for their families and love and honor their families, yet abandon that which bred so much hatred and pain in their family, they, that and that they could abandon that which they thought was part of them. And let me tell you, there was a whole lot of division back then in families over that issue. There were some fathers that refused to speak anymore to their sons or daughters because of who they chose to marry. There was a lot of division in their in the houses at that time. There's a lot of division in our houses now, isn't it? But we're going to have to pray on through and link up and love each other. Amen. Oh, let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Sometimes we forget that the bulk of those that heard Jesus agreed with the Pharisees and the religious leadership of that day. And that following Christ at that time would have put someone in direct conflict with their fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and wives who did not believe or what or believe in Jesus or believe what he was saying. Following Christ means that they would be abandoning their families and lives as they knew them. Jesus was telling them that their sins were forgiven. And that the kingdom of God was at hand. But they were still locked in a rigid and legalistic and unforgiving belief in who they thought God was. And it was a part of who they were as a people. But it almost seemed like Jesus did not care what these men were going through. Or what they were dealing with. One simply wanted the security security of a home. Another one simply wanted to bury his father. The third had a divided heart and put his family ahead of Jesus, and, but Jesus wanted to emphasize the radical requirements involved in following him. I mean, we must be fully committed to him. Not trying to live with one foot in in both worlds as the third man was asking to do. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Amen. You can insert praise right there. Amen. Hmm. But everything that we worry about, everything that we're concerned about, everything that we spend time thinking about, real things, everyday things, not evil but normal things like family and work and everyday life will fall into place as you follow Jesus. Every but or excuse you have that is keeping you from Jesus will actually fall in line perfectly as you follow Jesus. By following Christ, the young man that needed to bury his father would have truly honored his father by being a follower of Christ. The young man that needed to go say goodbye to those that had his house would have come to know that he may have left them to follow Christ, but he would have learned how it says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that there is no one that has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God that who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Amen. That means you get the stuff now and you get eternal life. You can't beat that deal with a bat, man. Amen. He would have learned that he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life, for my sake, will find it. Lord, I will follow you, but. Yes, it's true, the word but signifies a point of interruption, a changing of direction, a stoppage. And when we use it in our call to the answer of Christ or in the answer to the call of Christ's will in our life, it is a tragic thing. When we send the word up to God, it is a tragic thing. However, there is a different usage of the word but In the word. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, when the word but is coming down, it begins to take on a completely different meaning. It it may feel like the world is against you sometimes, that the world hates you, and and it does, but Genesis 50 and 20 says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to save many people alive. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 49 and 14, their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, but God shall redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. And Psalm 73 and 26, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And Isaiah 40 and 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise in here today. In Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. In Psalms 94, it says, they gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. But the Lord has been my defense and the God God, the rock of my refuge. In Isaiah 17, the nation shall rush like the rushings of many waters, but... God will rebuke them, and they will flee far away. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise in here. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody worship the Lord on the day. Hallelujah. Oh, Lazarus had been dead for four days, and his sisters Mary and Martha had given up hope, but Peter, Satan seeks to sift you as wheat, but All the devils in hell threw a party when they put Jesus in that tomb. But on the third day morning, Jesus got up with all power in his hands. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, somebody here was on their deathbed. The doctor had given up and said there is nothing that can be done but God. Somebody here was on their way to a 25-year-to-life prison sentence. But, God, somebody here almost overdosed and died. But, somebody here almost drank their life away. But, somebody here almost died in a car wreck. But, somebody here was told that they were never going to succeed in life. That they were never going to be nothing. That your daddy wasn't nothing, and you ain't going to never be nothing Here you stand right now. Somebody here was considering taking their own life through suicide, but I was on my way to hell, but God sent his son to come down and saved me and gave me new life, a new beginning, a new future. I was sinking deep in sin, far from that peaceful shore very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more, but the master of the seat. Y'all know the rest. Hello. Stand up and give the Lord some praise in here today. Go on, get up on out of your seat and give the Lord some praise on today. Hallelujah. Each one of us here have a but. Amen. You were on your way to going wherever you were going, into whatever you were into, but... Oh, look at your neighbor and say, but God. Many of us are on our way to a hopeless destiny. No future, no purpose, but God. Oh, hallelujah. Giving praise on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise the Lord. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes we will glorify the king of kings we will glorify the lamb we will glorify come on today. At this time, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. We don't don't want anyone looking around, trying to gauge and judge what their neighbor may be going through, trying to sit back and assess what anyone else's reaction to the word may be on today. If we are honest with ourselves, we would have to realize that there will never be a right or a good time to follow Jesus in the future. There will always be an excuse, and some of these excuses are not really bad. There will always be another but, another excuse not to give your all to Christ. My favorite one is, Lord, I will follow you, but I need to get my life together first. Let me tell you, beloved, that you will not ever get your life together until you leave all and follow Christ, amen. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. The right time to follow Jesus is right now. The Messiah knew that there would always be a reason and probably a very good reason or excuse or some, but to keep them from following him. But the call to follow is still made by our Lord and our Savior. Everything that you think that you're going to lose, everything that is a part of the word but, your life, your family, everyone around you is depending on you to reach the height of your potential. By following Christ, you'll save everything that you were afraid to lose. Don't let the things of this world, the, the buts, keep you from having your best life your best future reaching the height of your potential. Make the decision to follow Christ today but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Make the decision to follow Christ today. I love you God bless you.